What do you think, Fred? We are here for an immediate post-fight reaction. And um, I don't know about you. I mean, first of all, what an amazing win for Deontay Wilder. If you didn't see it, I don't know why you're listening to this. You should not consume boxing through podcasts. It is a bad habit to be in. But um, Deontay Wilder seemingly being outboxed for six rounds. Now, we can argue how close the fight really was. But um, I think Ortiz had a very strong argument that he was ahead. He was the one controlling the fight. I mean, just in general, he was the one who looked like he was doing the more typical boxing stuff. And then Deontay Wilder, without loading his hand, without cocking up, and we're going to get into this, straight right hand, fight over. I mean, what was going through your head when that shot landed? Because for me, I was like, I was in disbelief. I was like, what? Yeah, he throws him quick. That one came firing out there. I mean, were you at all expecting something? Or had you been lulled to sleep? Uh, no, I was expecting it because you could see Deontay was starting to uh, work his right hand there, and uh, especially like the round before he started to get going. So yeah, and he knew sort of knew. You always know with Deontay when he's like he's that's the shot he's looking for. So you could see it this one. Yeah, when they started to mix it up a bit, then you go, oh, it's it's gonna come flying out. But that that punch itself, no, it's just like uh, that was so it just snapped right out there. <laughs> it's over. Yeah, I mean. I, do you think Kenny Bayless made the right call um, by just well, ending yeah, the fight? Because Ortiz got up at ten technically. Uh, no, no, he's just gloves are still on the canvas. Oh, no, excuse me, ex- excuse me. I'm gonna stop Close you right there. No, 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 I'm gonna stop you right there because canvas. very similarly, Tyson Fury stood up at a me- at exactly ten. As he's saying ten, he is rising to his feet. Yeah, he was allowed to or- continue. We know Jack Reese is on the take from that one anyway. The only take Jack Reese could possibly be in, be on, is his own. Because the guy clearly cares more about getting himself, getting himself over than he does actually refereeing a fight. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, it, uh, he was still down. Because remember, he got up, but then he's hunched over. I mean, real talk. You know, I, I'm being facetious with you. Um, there's no way in hell that I, I, I could listen to the argument that, um, well, Luis Ortiz, the, the round was basically over. So he gets up. Now he has a whole full minute to um, to recover. But it's kind of a tricky one because there was a fight earlier in the night. Was it the opening fight? Yeah, it was the opening fight where he kind of stopped it pretty early with Bartholomew right at the end of the round. And it's like, well, I don't know. Yeah, but he, uh, the Bartholomew one, he turned his back. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I like that one. I know... So, like, in the Joshua fight, you could bring that up. Like, Joshua turned around uh, on the referee. But Joshua had already been dropped four times or three times. That was his fourth knockdown. Yeah. With yeah. Bartholomew, it's a little different. So, like, that was his first knockdown. He immediately popped up. He did turn yeah, his back. He was, he was walking on Zab Judo legs there. I, I, it was not quite Zab Judo legs, but they weren't, nah, no. they, they weren't firmly so, under him. He uh, he was, though, because you, you if you turn your back on the referee, they can, they can call the fight if you turn your back on the action. You know, and even if you're knocked out, like you're supposed to be showing the referee that you're with it. You don't walk away from the referee. Do you think you know? um, Ortiz went down because he's chinny, or is that because um, <laughs> didn't hit him on the chin, hit him on the forehead? No, I, that that's you get hit in the forehead like that, you don't know what's going on. You know, like it's not like he was really hurt. 
because you saw him that he recovered pretty quickly, but you just, you're stunned. You're completely stunned. You get hit in the top of the head and you just don't know exactly what just happened, you know? Well, I mean, especially if it's come from a guy like uh, Wilder. So that's why, like, you see, like, afterwards, he's like, oh, I, you know, like, you know, he's, he's, he's bad. He's in it. Like, he wasn't, like, devastatingly knocked out, but you just can't react. And you saw it as he tried to get up. He, like, he went to stand, but then he sort of hunches over because he's like, his body's like going, ah, no, no, we're staying down here a bit. So, um, it, it, it really is crazy. Like, <laughs> Deontay Wilder, like, that punch he threw from the hip. And, like, one of the things that I wanted to get to, was like how many guys you see that can just throw a punch without loading it up and like it it looked to me for the duration of the fight part of Wilder's struggle was that he wanted to load up he he wanted to plant his feet and be able to get off like a, a powerful hook or something but like he was never able to do that cuz Ortiz kept moving whether he was walking Wilder down or uh letting Wilder come to him Ortiz had just the right movement to keep Wilder off balance and from really like shooting that right hand. And none of that mattered because Wilder just shoots the right hand and it was over. Yeah, it just ends uh, that quick. It's it's tough to almost tell because it, it almost – you almost start to think if Wilder's making himself look like he's loading up because he's trying to bait the guy into throwing something so he can counter you know, because he because it's so clearly telegraphed that it looks like he wants to throw the right, but he's not that transparent. You know, everyone thinks he's got terrible skills, but you look at the way that he sort of steered Ortiz to where he wanted to him before he threw this right. You know, so it I, like he didn't want to lead with that right because he knew he's going to get countered by Ortiz. You know, because Ortiz is a really good fighter. So so it's tough to tell if he if he is. <laughs> you know, that's why yeah, Deontay. It's tough to get a sense of his actual skill level sometimes. Because it, he looks like he's just looking for one shot. But then when he sort of gets guys, like he got RT starting to throw a bit more and they're training a bit more, then he gets them right where he wants them, you know. He needs guys to sort of forget momentarily where they are, you know, and then he catches them. So it's not just all random chance. Like he's not doing the windmilling, you know, like he used to in the old days and stuff. And he's a bit more uh, refined. Um. You know, Wilder's fights, like, because he can do this, like, he has entertaining fights, but they're not entertaining in the normal sense, you know? And normally, uh, the Figueroa and, and Seha fight was entertaining, and it was just yeah. war. Yeah. But the, um, and that's entertaining, and I can certainly, like, appreciate the violence uh, of that, and, and that is typically what you, um, what, you associate with with like entertainment in terms of a fight but like the comparison it's um this is uh from uh greg static who is in the chat he had a, a pretty nice take um about this which is like you know wilder's fights are entertaining but they're not entertaining in the in the action sense wilder's fights are entertaining in the tension that they create because you know at at some point he's going to connect and you know at some point, if he does connect, the fight, it, there's a good chance the fight could be over. And we saw it with this fight where, like, there was tension, like, Ortiz is doing a good job. Ortiz is outboxing him. Ortiz is occasionally connecting with big shots. And you get the sense, like, Wilder, every round, Wilder did a little more and a little more and a little more. And then, um, I, I don't know if it was the fifth or sixth round where Wilder clearly won a round. 
There was also that round where he had that little check hook that the, the commentator sold as Ortiz being buzzed. And I thought Ortiz felt that shot. But I don't know that, you know, I'm going to sit here and say that he was like hurt or anything. And then the fight's over. Yeah, no, I think that was the fifth. He did buzz him. But they meant that just meant it caught him. He's like, oh, there's something. That, well, he you felt know, He really it, felt you know? that. And yeah, yeah. And he, he couldn't, he couldn't not, he couldn't like a sell that he didn't get caught. You know, and Wilder even commentated on it at the end of the fight there. He's like, that's, he felt he buzzed him there. Yeah. Like I said, it's just he buzzes you good. So that means, ooh, you know. Something's thrown off. It's where the weakness starts. It's not like, you know, the guy's massively hurt, but it's like, oh, that got his attention. You know, he's not just going to be able to sort of, but then he recovered a bit and then he went that round to, to, to pull it off a bit. But it's like, those are the kind of shots with a guy like Deontay. It, he only needs to get you a couple of those times and you're going to start getting a bit slower on your reaction time. I mean, is this a hot take if I say that the punch was so um, unexpected that it was almost anticlimactic the way the fight ended because it was literally like, okay, the round is about to end. Um, we had another cagey round where, yeah, the action was, a, there was a little more action than before, but then um, Wilder lands a shot out of nowhere, Ortiz goes down, and then the fight is over. Like, to I don't me, know if you think that was anticlimactic? I thought that was great. I, I guess in the in the dictionary definition, it that's not the case. But like in terms of like, I I, I was just like, I, like literally it was like a blink moment where you blink, the fight's going one way, the next moment like Ortiz is on the floor. Like I was just like, what happened? At least with the <laughs> with the Brazil fight, it was like you saw it coming. Yeah. Yeah, you could see him throw the left, and then the right comes down. This one, yeah, yeah. It, it was just, it was, it was just crazy how fast that right hand shot out. You know, like and when you're not expecting it in real time, you watch the replay, you, know, you can see it, but it's still pretty quick. But like watching real time, you're just like, yeah, it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, where'd that come from? It just boom, it's over. But yeah, that's okay. But it's also like I think. You know, both guys had that air of menace about him. Eh? Like Ortiz still, like he was looking for that big left hand. You know, well, he can get it in, you know, if he lines him up. So, yeah, so that's why it was a great, like it wasn't like a, a boring heavyweight fight where they're only throwing like 10 punches around, but they're just boring each other. It's like both these guys were, they were trying to get the other guy in a spot where they could land a big, huge punch. And Wilder was the one who did it first, you know. Ortiz has his chances. He, he caught Deontay with some good shots. Like he, yeah, he's, he's winning the fights. You know, obviously on the scorecards, but uh, yeah, it doesn't matter when you're up against Deontay. I mean, that really is like the moral of of all of this is like, and I'm wondering when we're gonna start talking trash about people on Twitter because you know it's like you know with Deez and Mero, it's like when are they gonna start talking about porn? And with us, it's like, when are we going to start going to task uh, to all the people on Twitter? Um, I don't know. I'm going to have to look up people. I like goofing on Twitter. Maybe tomorrow. Uh, just just look at, um, oh, my football. God. Um, you know, Dan Raphael was tweeting about the crowd being dead. Uh, your friend, Andreas Hale, um, said, does Deontay Wilder have a plan B? Because plan A clearly isn't working. Clearly, uh, the, the point I'm getting at with that, though, is one of the, I guess it's a pitfall of watching a, a Wilder fight is trying to apply the same logic that you use for normal fights. Like I could understand if the the way you you view a Wilder like we have a way that we watch like Leo Santa Cruz for example. And you can tell when Leo Santa Cruz what he's doing isn't working. 
you can tell, you know, you can easily say like, well, you know, Leo Santa Cruz struggles in fights because he fights to the level of his of his opponents. And it's it's definitely a good criticism of Santa Cruz. It's accurate. But like you can't say that with Wilder. It you just wind up looking stupid in the end. Because Yeah, but that's cuz that's, that's he's he's the uh the epitome of the heavyweight division. You know, he's got he's all the clichés in one. It only um, takes one shot when you're a heavyweight, you know, and he's that's he's, he's the he's the crowning achievement of the cliche, you know. I, I so earlier today I was thinking of like, okay, how what is like the the one line like tagline for this fight? Like, how do you sell this like really briefly to somebody? And it really is like what you just said. Like Deontay Wilder is the heavyweight that you expect. Now he's not the one who's the best heavyweight. He's not the greatest heavyweight. Um, he's not the most talented, blah, blah, blah. You can go down the list. He doesn't meet, like, if, if you ask a hardcore fan what makes a, a great fighter, he doesn't meet any of that. But if you ask, if you're going to create, a like, a heavyweight out of just vague generalizations, it's wilder. It's like, well, a guy who can end a fight at any moment. Okay, check. But a guy that is willing to do what it takes to end the fight at any moment. Okay, that's Deontay Wilder, because he there there are a lot of heavyweights. I mean, I I think Tyson Fury could end fights if he wanted, but like in order to do that, you have to be willing to sell out something. And Wilder clearly is willing to sell out. I mean, I think there are there are tons of boxers out there with power that aren't willing to just expose themselves for that brief instance in order to connect with those power shots. Yeah, Fury can get caught when he tries to push power. You know, we saw like even against a guy like Steve Cunningham. You know, he got dropped by Cunningham because he he sort of tried to open up on him. You know, so that's why he's always caging. He like he uses his skill more than training. And then of course with Deontay when he tried to, you know, he gets in the pocket and you know Deontay clips him. Well, and I think Wilder, uh, like there are very few fighters that you can say this about them, but he really thrives in the chaos of an exchange. Like it's yeah, only yeah. in those moments where it's chaotic, like guys are out of position, um, or they're they're in the midst of throwing punches where Wilder like like gets these moments of clarity where he finds the perfect like route for his right hand to connect. Well that's yeah, because that that's what he sort of likes. You know, people think he's all awkward and he's got terrible technique, but that's he likes it when guys are moved because when you're starting to throw with especially with heavyweights. When these guys sort of charge in and everything, that's where he wants because he's sort of his awkwardness suits him and he likes it. Because I said earlier, it's like because that's when guys sort of slip and they they leave themselves open and he only needs that, you know, split second for them to be open and he can throw that right hand and it'll be over. I mean, and he he certainly like I think part of why he thrives in those environments is because he is a guy who is 100 percent confident in his power. And if you're not cle- you're not 100% confident in your power that you could just put a like you could literally end the fight if you landed, then you know that also you could get caught. And there are guys out there that either a don't want to get caught, b they're just trying to be perfect. And I believe there are a lot of fighters out there who want yeah. things to be perfect. And it's really um, on one hand when it works, it's it's beautiful to watch. And on the other hand, it could be a serious detriment. And you can see guys turn in really flat performances. In, in in the in the name of while well, I was trying to be perfect, Wilder yeah. doesn't do that. And also, and well, here again, Wilder is giving up so much weight. You know, especially like okay, look at tonight. Uh, Figueroa struggled with Seha 
because Sehaw didn't have to cut. I mean, there was literally you know? just uh, well, I don't know what the difference was on fight night, but drained out. It was a four pound difference, and it looked on it's, fight night like he uh, Figueroa was outweighed by at least ten pounds. Yeah, but when these guys rehydrate, like they're probably cut from the one thirties. And, and you know? I will say it's um, functional weight. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, like Seha, you said for each. Like I'm sorry, but like when they do their water cuts, just for rehydration, it takes about an hour to put on two pounds again. You know, so if if a guy doesn't have to, if like he doesn't have four and a half pounds to cut, first he didn't have to struggle to get down that four and a half pounds, which makes people cranky and it does impact your performance. But then it also saves them like almost three hours in, in rehydration. You know, and you're only talking after you, the time you take accounted from the weigh-in because they do it at like after noon. They don't have the early weigh-ins like they do with the UFC. So then the guy's got to sleep. So, you know, you only got 13 hours to put weight back on, which seems like a long time. But it's not really if you're really taking all these cuts, you know, because you're trying to rehydrate all the way up until the, you know, the time of your fight. So if you don't have to do this, you, you so but we see a guy struggle with just that small difference. Well, Deontay Wilder's given up huge weight. Like sometimes he's given up, like he's given up forty pounds against you know, Tyson Fury, and he's still the guy. They go, well, he's got too much power for these guys. So when people go, oh, well, he's not that skilled. It's like, well, take any of your little favorite like lower weight guys and see if he can give up forty pounds. And you'd say, well, no, he can't do that. And yet Wilder, people just go, oh, he should, oh, that's no problem because he's a heavy. Yeah, well, that's that's why heavyweights are great. Dude's six foot seven. He always comes in in crazy shape. You know, you, we haven't seen, there used to be people say, especially like back in the era of Lennox Lewis and everything, people are like, you're never going to see a heavyweight, you know, as light as Ali again. And now we got a guy who's taller than Ali and he's like, he comes in about the same weight Ali did. You know, <laughs> so he's like, he's six foot seven coming in at 226 or whatever now. And he's coming as light as 212. Well, I mean, he's, but that's just insane. And he's you know? apparently losing weight after the weigh-in. Yeah. Yeah. Which like, I don't he's, understand he's, how that works, but. You know, because he's okay. a he's a very trim dude. He watches weight, and he like he does a lot of pool work. And if you're in the pool a lot, that'll strip the weight on you, just because the your body's trying to keep uh, its temperature up. That's uh, why swimmers at, are always in such crazy guy, shape. Look at this guy with the science. Yeah, no, but it is. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I just don't make shit up. People no, I, I know, I, I know, but I, th- I think it's funny. It's like oh, you just you just come with the, just rattle off the 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 random pool fact. Yeah, well, that's that's you know, like you get guys like Michael Phelps who used to eat a ton of food, but that's because he spent all their time in the pool. Um, Science. So let's talk about like the start of the fight because Ortiz came out, and I thought like he came out really quick trying to establish stuff, and then eventually, I th- um, so he came out pretty fast. He threw those those hooks. He he managed to connect pretty early with Wilder. And um, that was crazy early on because it was like, oh, wow, like Ortiz is coming out to knock Wilder out. And then Wilder really, he, to me, looked pretty lackadaisical early on, like almost like concern, sort of slow start. Um, do you think that's fair to say? Uh, it's tough to tell with him. Well, I'm not saying it was. It, I'm it, saying how it looked. It, it looked a bit slow, but then it also looked like this is he was sort of waiting for for the middle rounds to start to get fired up. So I had that thought as well. I was like, okay, well, maybe Wilder is looking like he's like, hey, it worked last time. Let's see if we it'll work again this time. Why yeah. don't I just hang out and see how Ortiz looks a little later down the fight? Let me take him into deep water and see if he drowns, which is uh, you know, a common phrase that we hear. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's like, okay, Ortiz, he spent this whole camp you know, losing weight and getting in shape. 
So it's like, well, let's see if he's uncomfortable with that. Maybe, maybe that's what Deontay. But yeah, it looked like if you're a Deontay Wilder fan, you're starting to go, hey, he's got to start throwing that right hand a bit. You know, you're starting like, you know, we're in this, getting to the sixth round already, and it looks like Ortiz. He's it's not like he's he's like. Uh, devastatingly ahead, but he's just winning just on basic activity, a figure. You know, I thought, what, they have five five rounds to one? I thought, that's eh, a little, I think that's a little goofy, but, you know. I, I mean... Four, two, I could see, but I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, Ortiz is that. Let me know if this is a hot take. I think that when Deontay Wilder fights, you should just fill out your scorecard 12 nothing for the other guy. And the reason why I say yeah, that, yeah, yeah, the, no, the reason why I say that is because you will not make fans happy. Here's the reality: Deontay yeah, Wilder does not—he yeah, yeah, does not fight could... in a style that looks like you expect, and therefore you can't. Like, it's really hard for people to reconcile with the fact that the things that Deontay Wilder in the rings does in the ring is actually effective. There's a reason why Luis Ortiz didn't just start walking him down and knock him out. And I hear people want to give out this criticism. And I'm not trying to argue for any scorecard here. But I'm just trying to say, maybe you need to open your mind up a little. Because it's possible. It's possible that with Deontay Wilder, we're missing something. Now, with that said, do I think that he should have been behind in the fight? More more likely than not, he should have been behind. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, 6-0, 5-1, uh, which is some of the things I'm hearing out there. I don't think so. No. Um, and, like, it's... It's always pretty interesting to hear how like Goosen and Lennox Lewis will, will will respond to these fights because you have the the perspective of a trainer, a guy who's trained world champions, and then of course a, a former heavyweight champion. Like, yeah, one of the best ever. So, you know, those guys have a unique perspective, and these guys were pointing out Ortiz was hurt at one point in the fight. Well, not hurt, but buzzed uh, by one of the well, shots. They yeah, didn't like I see said- it as a wipeout. No, and that's what I'm saying. That's like I started laughing. At it. I like I didn't mean to talk you over it, but it made me laugh because, yeah, it's obvious that when Deontay is just hitting a guy, he, like I said, when he buzzed Ortiz, like like that's why they called it. They said, "Oh, he buzzed him," because it, it's like, yeah, that was a significant punch. You know, even though Ortiz recovers, you go, "Oh, this is the start of it." You know, because like when Deontay just hits a guy, it, it like he's throwing so much power. It's insane because it doesn't look like he's really throwing that much a lot of times. But if he just pause a guy and makes contact, these guys are they're really starting to feel it. You know, it, so, yeah. And but that's like, you know, pretty much everyone is going to start saying, yeah, Deontay's down 12 rounds at the start of the fight, no matter what, because they, they just despise him. A lot of people, you know. And I don't know why you're missing. You're missing a great guy. <laughs> you know, no one wants to really mix it up with him because they're going to get clipped. And then, yeah, he just, the amount of power he delivers, especially for his frame. And he's not really loading up, especially in this fight. It's just, it's just amazing thing to watch. Like that, that right hand is just crazy. He's just, you know, I, you know, in the, in the fight, I was, um, by the way, Wilder's trending worldwide. Andy Ruiz is trending worldwide. This is nuts, um, the the reaction to this fight. Um, and we saw during the broadcast, they had said that it was trending number one worldwide. Um, but, like, here's another thing about Deontay Wilder or just fighting Deontay Wilder that I think doesn't get spoken about a lot. And that's the fact that, you know, I, I think we said this, like, immediately after the Fury fight, where um, we said, or at least I said it, I don't know, I don't, maybe I, you can take credit for this as well. Um, but 
Fury fought almost a perfect fight. He really did. He fought well. He boxed. He made Wilder look silly at times. But he boxed well for 30 minutes of the 36 minutes, we can say. Because Wilder did win a couple of rounds. Um, And then he got dropped twice. And that was enough for a draw. And, like, I wonder about... We we know about the physical... um, You know, the physical strain fighting takes and like at some point you everyone starts to gas unless you're i don't know brandon figueroa and julio Seja, but like (laughs) but like dudes gas in the heavyweight division and then like how taxing must it be like adding on top of the normal mental strain a fight puts on you but to have to be perfect for 12 rounds against wilder how stressful that must be for a fighter in the ring with him yeah, and well, you seen that it leads to guys making mistakes, and it just, and that's it. It it takes just such a small mistake. Yeah, it, it's it's really tough. So I don't. Yeah, again, I don't think people give the credit of the threat that he poses. You know, like if you look back at this, what Tyson brought a lot of this. You know, guys were like they he's were not the same out. level where yeah, but guys aren't like they aren't scared beforehand, which Tyson had because Tyson that was a different era. You know, because back then there was a lot of you know. People thought Tyson was magic or something. Uh, like they're not scared to fight Wilder. We would call but that something obviously... else in 2019. <laughs> yeah, well, we would. Let's not go there. Uh, it's they're not scared beforehand, really. But yeah, during the fight, they're obviously it's it's in their head. They can't they can't leave themselves open, you know. So yeah, it does it does. But that's but then again, like we we already talked about, it, that's why Deontay likes it when they start the trade. Because they know just just from position, he stands a better chance to catch a guy when guys when you're moving around and you're spinning and everything and you're you know you're working your pivots, guys. Just that little little tiny crack. That's all he needs. So yeah, it's 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 really I think it's a very underappreciated uh, skill that that is to have that much power. And this is a heavyweight, and this is why the heavyweights are kings. Because like again, these guys are giving up a ton of weight. Yeah, they might not jump around like things, but that's because you can't. <laughs> you've got to be prepared to go 12 rounds because if you let your guard down on any of these shots from these guys, you're done. You know, like the Deontay, he's like, he's not, he didn't want to get hit with that left hand from Ortiz. That's why he was like pretty so much hesitant at the start until, you know, Ortiz starts to tire down a bit and everything. And then he gets them. These are, these are big, big men that could <laughs> take your head off. You give them a shot. So, you know, that, that, Begs the question of like, does Wilder deserve more credit for his chin? Because he got caught with the left hand. He got caught with the left hand twice, clean in the first round. And he proceeded to get caught um, over the course of the fight. Does he deserve credit for having an underrated chin? Or um, do you think maybe he was rolling with those punches or something? Because I thought at some point Wilder would have at least been a little, like shown some sign that he was hurt from those shots. Um, you could also uh, point to the fact that Ortiz um, maybe didn't have as much power uh, this time around because he was um, he had uh, lost weight. But I, I don't necessarily think that would be the case because um, when he hurt Wilder in the other uh, in their first fight, it was later in the fight where he would have had some fatigue going on, so he should have had some of the zip uh, go from his punches. Well, here we are in the first round; he's catching Wilder, so. Is it Wilder's chin? Is it Ortiz not as strong or not as big of a puncher as maybe we think? Some combination? 
Uh, yeah, I think I think Wilder's defense has gotten a bit better. Like you see with the stats, he's keeping his stats a bit uh, wider. Like so, he's shortening down a bit. But that's giving him that extra because we saw in previous fights where guys hit him and he'd get all like crazy legged, you know. And so he's trying to recover. But this one, he was taking the shots a lot better. So it is. He's just he's just getting better, even though like he's what thirty four now. Uh, people always forget he just started boxing at like twenty. You know, people so when everyone was everyone was too. making fun of him, when they were making fun of him because oh he never fought anybody, he was still learning. He was, he essentially, you know, this this guy just picked up boxing and went and got a bronze medal in the Olympics. You know, it's just like it's not like he started at ten years old. You know, he's still learning on the job. So that's you know, like a fight like Fury, especially you know, that's what was impressive is like, you know, Fury's a guy who baffled Vlad. You know, one of the best ever, and Wilder caught him twice. So. You know, he's a lot better than people give him credit for. He just looks awkward because he's a he's six foot seven. He's, what do you think he's gonna look like? Well, he's you ever six, see basketball players he, fight? He, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he's six seven, and he fights like he, he kind of reminds me of like a puppy who is very flexible, who can like do a lot of things, but at the same time, almost looks like they don't have complete control over their limbs. Like Wilder's punches don't yeah. come at the right angles at times. He he, he just looks awkward. Yeah. I mean, none but of it matters. Style, like, no, it Nazim Richardson said it the best. Like, that doesn't, like, none of this matters with Wilder. And it's why and I Rocky. said, you might as well just fill out your scorecard. 12 bomb squad is trending. My God. Um, yeah. Well, it, Rocky, Rocky Marciano wasn't pretty boxer. <laughs> he could knock guys' heads off. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's why you could be, he'd, he'd get outboxed all the time. But it didn't matter because he was going to catch up to these guys eventually and crack up with his right hands, you know. So it's the same with Wilder. And punch him behind the head, but. <laughs> hey, leave Rocky alone. I, I, I'm just saying he was kind of a dirty fighter. Yeah, it's not like they were, you know, everyone was clean and fair back then. Well. It's back in the days when you could thumb guys in the eyes, or don't forget. Well, I mean, never. I'm, let's not even get onto that. So do you he think that hit. Wilder was in control the whole time? Or well, was did he just seize an opportunity? Uh, c- control. I wouldn't say no. Like this was going. This was his plan. But I'm. I'm not saying it, it's like average. He wasn't panicked. He wasn't worried. Is what dude, I think. But I'd say, like he wasn't worried that uh, Ortiz was sort of seemed to be winning the fight. You know, it's it's sort of like he's he's looked like he was a guy. Where he's like, okay, let's see. Once the middle rounds come, he's going to start slowing down and. Then we'll see what happens. So, so that's and that's the thing that Deontay does, which is pretty risky, as we saw with the Fury fight, because he can lose a lot of cards, you know. And against a really good boxer, which Louis Louis Ortiz, we saw like he was down five one four two, you know. So he was losing all those rounds on the judges' scorecards. So that's kind of a risky thing to do, but you know that's 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 why he's great. You know, he knows he's he's got so much faith in his ability to stop guys. That he knows he's going to get him eventually. Yeah, and Wilder said as much after um, when he sat down and did the the interview with um, Kate Abdo and Ray Mancini and Sean Porter. He, I mean, he's interviewed with them for like 15, 20 minutes. And, um, you know, he's clear that he can't really win a unanimous decision, especially against a guy as skilled as Luis Ortiz. Like, Wilder knows that he's not Floyd Mayweather. Actually, yeah. he really knows he's not Floyd Mayweather. But he also <laughs> knows that he's not like Leo Santa Cruz or something. Or like he's going to go in and like he knows he can outbox a guy over 12 rounds. Like I, I think Wilder believes he can, 
but I don't think he he would bet on that as quick as he would bet on just knocking a guy out. Yeah, yeah, he's looking to catch guys in the middle of late rounds now. And you know. the the point is good like, guys. I mean, good boxers. That's what he's looking for. You know. The the point is, he um, I I think he was in control the whole time. Yeah. There was never any panic in the corner. Wilder w- looked like he he looked like he was as the rounds wore on, like he was unfolding his game plan. And now I could be totally wrong, and he wasn't, and maybe he just started to see more openings as he got more comfortable in the fight. It's possible that early on he showed Luis Ortiz a lot of respect because he knew. The, what happened in the first fight where, you know, he was hurt against Luis Ortiz and he literally just spent, I don't know, six weeks uh, uh, on this promotional push putting Luis over as a, a great opponent and a guy who damn near almost beat him the first time that they fought. Yeah. No, it, it, yeah, it's, yeah, I'd sort of agree with you. But like, it's not like, uh, I, I repeat myself, it's not like he was like, oh, I'm I'm purposely giving away these rounds. But I think he was he was he was comfortable there, and it's not like Ortiz was crashing him either. You know, Ortiz was pretty hesitant to to get in there too. He was very selective about when he'd take his shots. That's why there wasn't as much action. It was a really good fight. Both guys knew what the other guy had. You know, so it, it, yeah, I thought it was great. You know, like there's always that sense hanging over that <laughs> it could go. I don't know. It was a great fight. No, that yeah, that's but exactly I, I think it. I think Wilder. I think Wilder's really starting to figure out the game. He's really starting to piece everything together. You know. He's obviously comfortable now more than ever with his self-promotion and everything. And now he, he feels comfortable with all the skills. You know, his hand injuries are sort of in the past. They're behind him. They seem to be. So that was a big thing, too. Like, he's not he's not destroying his hand anymore like he used to. Yeah, so. and especially if you're going to punch the way he did where he threw that punch from the hip. I don't think that you're really going to hurt your hand that way. He didn't. Yeah. Like, that was not. Ortiz did throw, like. Uh, of the two of them, I think Ortiz threw the wildest shot of the fight where um, he threw that wild looping left hand and Wilder, like, like you know, he avoided it pretty easily. But, like, that was a shot that if he, he landed that, like, he would have knocked Wilder out clean. I, I don't think anybody stands up when you get yeah. hit with a shot like that from a guy that big. And, like, I've yeah. been, like, next to both of those guys at the press conference, stood next to them, um, asking questions. Ortiz is huge. Like, he's Did not as to tall get a as Wilder, there? but, my God, he is huge. I mean, like, it's not like he's super tall, but, like, the guy, like, his head is, I don't know, like, the shape of a basketball. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's a very solid guy. He's, yeah. what, 6'4"? Yeah, yeah, and he fills out every inch of, of, yeah. of like, of space. Like, that dude is huge. Um, yeah. So as big as Kevin Ioli. And it... <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's not that tall, though. No, that's true. Uh, we let's, let's move on from this for you know, <laughs> uh, before, before we bring up there. some other writers. How do how do you think this does this knockout top the Brazil knockout or the the uh, uh, any of Wilder's other knockouts? Does it top the other knockouts, or is there a particular one that you still have as your favorite? It's tough to tell. I think I think this one's right up there. Because it was like it, it did take place, and Ortiz was, you know, looked like he was winning. Well, he was winning the fight, obviously, on the cards, and it just, yeah, it just, it just came out of nowhere that right hand. So, like the the Brazil one, they were all going back and forth, and then you could see that whole setup coming. You know, as he took his big long stride to the right hand, but this one is pretty good. 
because that right hand just came it just came flying out and you're like what the fuck <laughs> so yeah this is one of his best you know? but that's it he's he said so many you know yeah so this, I, this. I would agree with that i think uh the brazil one is clearly like the knockout of his career and while for any other fighter, I would say there, there's no way that they could top this. For Wilder, I think that it's possible that he actually could top that knockout. But yeah. it is something special because you, you mentioned like it was like the one-two where he, he like he, he's striding forward, swats the jab, uh, the lead hand down with his lead, with his jab, and then the right hand just clean over the top. I mean, this one is is different in the sense that like it was just out of nowhere, as we keep saying. Um, and, and I think like they, I think this one, was more memeable. If you've like, if you look through the, the Wilder Ortiz hashtag, like there are already people making memes of this one. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I mean, do you think Fox should share the knockout video on social media? Because like you could make the argument that like, this is the whole fight. And like, while I appreciate like the thing with the wild, with Wilder fights that is, is good is the building tension over the course of the fight that you know at some point somebody is about to get knocked out. You know that if Wilder's right hand hasn't landed uh, in a while, well, when is the next one coming? Because that's potentially the shot that will end the fight. And just it builds and builds and builds over the course of the fight. And I don't know if you felt it like during the fight where it's like, okay, when is this going to happen? It, it's it's got to happen at some point. Like nobody's perfect. Nobody can avoid getting hit with the right hand for 12 rounds. And then boom, Ortiz is down. Yeah, I see people are putting up the Sky Sports uh, clip and everything. So yeah, Foxhold, it's like, yeah, of course they should jump behind it. Uh, but it depends. It's like, well, what's their strategy? They're going to want them on the football tomorrow. You know, and really like expose them to a bigger crowd, or you know, how do they want it to go? You know, so yeah, it's always it's always you know they're gonna have a marketing strategy, you know, because yeah. that's the thing. It's like, of course, you know, people go well, they're the front runners now to get the Fury fight, but you never know. Showtime might make a crazy push. You know, you never know what's gonna happen out of that whole mix. Even though I'd, I'd suspect it probably Deontay, I, th- I think he might have liked his whole Fox exposure. But that's that's something that you know Showtime really can't match because they don't have that same kind of access to CBS. You know. Well, I mean, there were the 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 talks that, or at least the rumors that we heard that Showtime was ready to roll out the carpet and and get the marketing push that we see that Fox had did for um, Spence Garcia, that they were willing to do that for Wilder. Now, we could sit here and argue the the effectiveness that would have had or whether or not they have the wherewithal or just... I mean, Fox is like... They they have an expertise about it, you know? Well, they're, they're like... Uh, we talked about this before. They're kids in the candy store right now because they essentially... They have wrestling and boxing for slightly more what they're paying for the UFC. So right now, until this starts to become, okay, now we got to compare it against last year's numbers, that they, they, they can try whatever they want. So they've got a really, a really wide, uh, they could take huge risk, you know, because they'll say like not it's insane risk, like not dazing level of risk where they're paying like some jabroni $15 million for nothing. You know, Don't but call uh, Gennady Golovkin a jabroni. I did. I just did. You can write me letters and full of hate mail. So at they've, yeah, but they've really, they've really got, Garvin, yeah, yeah, at Fred I got a, I got a proton mail, 
Yeah, uh, it's just, uh, I don't know why Twitter Proton is. Mail, Fred Garvin SP. Hit this guy on Twitter if you don't like that. Yeah, exactly. You can you can just follow me. I'll take your follows and your hate. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, so Fox is really kind of tough to compete against. Cause, and they also got the whole directive that it's one big Fox family, you know, because now that Disney bought all the rest of their stuff, they just got what Fox, Fox News, and Fox Sports. You know, so so the Fox Sports people have got, have got a clear path to use Fox any way they want. So everyone's big and happy family. So that's why they're a bit tough to compete against on this level because they're also trying to push their app. They're trying to push their their betting platform. They they do have a streaming platform that most people don't even know, and they they sort of they're trying to get that off the ground a bit. You know. Even though it it's, it's like exists on a very low level, but yeah, so so Fox is trying to push all these things because now they got this new focus that uh, they don't have the studio anymore and they don't have some of the regional sports channels and all that bullshit. So yeah, so it's it's kind of like they're in a they're in a fight with Showtime this, but it's not really a fight. They're sort of like trying to play nice at the start, but yeah, we'll we'll see. You know, you never know what Showtime might pull out. You know, remember they're the guys behind you know some of the biggest or the two biggest you know pay per views in history. So so they clearly know what they're doing. Um, I, I think what Fox has really excelled at is is doing something that if, look, I, I think that even a couple of years ago, we would classify ourselves as like, we're pretty knowledgeable on pay-per-view and like the promotional aspect of boxing. Now, I'm not trying to put us over as experts, but we're knowledgeable. We we generally know what what people are, what or what the various entities are capable of. And a few years ago, I, I don't think that we would have said, oh, yeah, we definitely see Wilder, um, Spence. We see these guys within the span of a year all fighting on pay-per-view multiple times. Uh, yeah. I don't think we Wilder would have said. Would, Wilder would have would've... been a bigger question for me than Spence. I was pretty sure Spence would be get there pretty quick. Um, you know? I, I don't know if we, but I I we would have got the timeline Spence. right, but I, I'm with you. I, I like Wilder seemed like a hard sell. And there were various reasons why, because like, okay, well, yeah. Wilder it could easily lose, you know? Yeah, and also, yeah, and then it, Anthony Joshua seemed to dominate the division for a while, just for attention. So he sucked all the air out of the room, you know? But then once 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 they got that Fury fight, that's, that's sort of, you know, oh, things have changed, you know? And then, of course, now that AJ lost, the things have completely changed, you know, it's... So, so yeah, but but definitely this hard push, you know, and then especially bringing Manny back, like with Showtime and Fox did last year, you know, like this everyone year. wrote off Manny, yeah, this year, yeah. yeah. Some oh, days we're like almost that. done though. We're almost done with Dude, this year. Yeah. But yeah. but what That's Fox has excelled at is like not only putting these guys on pay per view who aren't established pay per views, but saying we're going to put them on pay per view, and while they're there's nothing that indicates that these guys are pay-per-view stars or anything that indicates that these guys could sell on pay-per-view. We're going to make it happen. And we're going to use all of our power in order to make that possible. And, well, and yeah, this is the first fight that was really a risk. You and, know, and that, they might, that's what you said. They might not I, make I didn't want to talk to you about that. So yeah. like, just so listener, you know, if you don't remember, um, you said, Fred, that... Yeah. I think it was a couple of months ago, maybe. Maybe even it was uh, right after this fight got announced and that it was going to be a Fox pay-per-view. You said this will be like the um, the real, like, I don't know if, I don't know you, you used the words gut punch, but it'll be the gut punch moment for Fox where like they're going to really see what they're about because you saw that 
the Spence uh, Garcia, the, the, the Pacquiao Thurman, and then the Spence Porter fight, they all had a natural build to them. Whereas this one, you thought wouldn't sell as well as those other ones. And I think potentially because it was a, a rematch, um, I don't know. But like, can you explain why you felt that way now? No, it's because it's uh, Showtime was like they weren't comfortable with the package that they wanted. And so that's how Fox got it. And you can see like their guarantees, they suppose it's at $27 million total, you know, just, just for the, the headliners. And so uh, Showtime did the most wilder fights of anyone. They did the only wilder pay-per-view. And so then they're probably thinking, eh, you know, that's they, the, they got to put that money up. You know, because no promoters got $27 million to pay these guys. And Fox sort of, because they had such a good run with these other guys, they're like, hey, we'll take a hit if we take a hit. You know, because like I said, they're, they've got no, right now they're living in a fantasy land because they have no accountant busting their balls saying, hey, you didn't meet the numbers of last year. Like they're, they're way ahead because they don't pay, they're paying $200 million to push UFC like undercard fighters, essentially prelims. They had no, like no top level fighters that they got to show. They had to do the, the, the pay-per-view preliminary fights and then whatever UFC on Fox, which were steadily declining, you know, those numbers were starting to tank pretty hard, you know? So, so, and now they have, uh, the high level guys, but this fight still, like I said, they might, they might not make money on this fight, but they are sort of like, Hey, we don't really care because we're, we're good. We're angling something here. We want to keep this, uh, pay-per-view consistent. You know, we want to grow our app. We want to grow the betting. We want to take that shot at the fury fight that it could be bigger. And they also essentially like, uh, even John Nash mentioned there, they're essentially just trying to, they're testing a lot of ideas. You know, like I said, they had seven years of sitting there sort of, watching the UFC dictate who they were going to get. But they obviously had their own ideas about what might work, how to grow fighters. And now you see it. Now they can integrate them with football and everything. You know, but but it, it just, like, it, it seemed like a tough sell for this one because, like, Luis Ortiz was kind of looking, like, really slow. And it's like, well, how how much is it going over, you know? Like, I know Deontay's a draw, but is he is draw for this much money? You don't know, you know? But people going, oh, it's going to be a disaster. No, this is what networks do. You know, like when they when they like spend money putting out TV shows, it, is that losing money? You know, they make it back in advertising. You know, like that's that's their, that's how they do this shit. So it just it's just people, especially this fight. I don't know why everyone's losing their mind over this fight, but well, you know, I mean, look, it's it, just stupid. It could come out, and it we find out it didn't do well. It's possible. Now, I'm not. I don't think that's going to be the case. Like when Bill Wanger um, did an interview this week, and he, they asked, yeah, but they "Don't care, they're not." Yes, what? What happened to you? Uh, did you die? Oh my no. god! The Jimmy? What happened? Jimmy dead? What? Repeat what you said. The reception got all bad. Oh, it got bad. Yeah. I was saying, yeah, this isn't one and done for them. Like this is what people are talking about. Like if Fox or Showtime, like oh, they're hanging on by a thread. Is like I don't know these these guys in love with HBO that much that they think everyone else is going to collapse. Like no, like I said, they might lose money. Guess what? Well, they just fucking go. Hey, how much? Well, we'll write it off. We'll take that hit. But what are we going to build? Like this is it's, it's all an experiment for these guys, especially Fox. You know, like said, Showtime's a bit more. Well, we got a budget within Showtime that we sort of got to stick to because they got to report to other divisions. Because that's it. They got that track record. You know, where guys are like, hey, you can't be spending over the. No, yeah, my internet 
I don't know, was giving has been giving me trouble. Um, well, you're supposed to stop your fucking porn torrents before you start doing this. No, I've I've learned uh, I've learned I learned about that. Once I had a torrent going <laughs> and a VPN, so the, the recording was terrible. And then I found out afterwards. I I think yeah. they Bill Wanger did an interview uh, this week, and he they asked about like, well, what do you guys expect with pay per view buys? And he's like, well, I don't know. But I can tell you right now, we're tracking to about what we expect, at, what we've come to expect with these pay-per-views, which would be somewhere around the 350 mark. Yeah. And the break-even, if we're to believe that $27 million is the purses, they have to exceed about 350 in order to get past that number. Um, but it depends because no one knows what their expenses are. Well, true. We don't know what the expenses are. Um there's, you don't know where they're pulling in revenue from. You don't know other angles. If they got a, if Fox gets like a cut of over, like we know Fox gets more of a cut. Like if they sell through the Apple, then they don't have to share it with anyone, you know, except for like the, the, the promotions themselves. They get a bigger cut through that. And they said, what, wasn't it 10, 15% or something they get through app buys? 12, 10 to 12. Yeah, which is like, you know, that's pretty significant. You know, that's, that's enough cheese to keep on, you know. I mean, the, there are, there are various places where money comes from in terms of these these uh, these fights, you know, international broadcast rights, things like that. But yeah. the, the point is, um, and we've mentioned this in the past before a lot, like the break-even point for these events is far lower than you think. So success is actually like not, you know, people think like success is like, oh, well, you got to have this to be successful. Well, not necessarily. That's not necessarily no. true. No, not at all. And, uh, but part of the power of, of doing these ev- events with Fox is, and, and why show, or sorry, not, um, yeah, well, Showtime and CBS possibly can't do this is because Fox has figured out how to market to people that aren't watching boxing. And so far we've seen that they can turn those people into either, they're turning new people on to watching boxing, uh, in terms of the pay-per-view buys or they're convincing people who uh, box already existing boxing fans who in the past have been pretty apathetic towards pay-per-views that didn't feature like, you know, the already established names like Canelo or or Mayweather or somebody. You know, look at HBO's pay-per-views that they did where it wasn't a Canelo or it wasn't Floyd or it wasn't Pacquiao or somebody. It like look at Golovkin's pay-per-views. They didn't break 200,000. <laughs> look at Andre yeah. Ward's pay-per-views. Two of them against Kovalev. Neither one goes past 200,000 buys. Yeah. Now, did they make money? I don't know. I know don't that they did better than Crawford's pay-per-view. Both of them yeah. probably. Yeah. No, yeah, now if you look at yeah, Fox's earnings and everything, they they express nothing but, you know, there's there's no note in there that Oh, this boxing dragging us down. You know they like it better. You know, like I said, like I said, they were paying two hundred million dollars for the UFC and <laughs> per year. Yeah, yeah, and now they're paying you know two sixty for wrestling and boxing, and then they're getting a cut on and say you know it's like yeah, you just not even comparing you know, and their ad rates are up too for the whole channel overall, like the FS you know Fox Sports one and two. And so yeah, that's why. And they figured out how to like use all their various um, properties to elevate the others. Yeah. Well, like I said, yeah, that's the thing that, uh, you know, Showtime really does. You've got to pay for that access if you want CBS, eh? Because everyone on CBS is trying to get those big 
pushes. That's why like they'll have, you know, during football, they'll announce the show coming up. Well, someone's got to pay for that shit. It's coming out of the production budget for, you know, the other, the other shows. They're just not giving it away for free. With Fox, it's sort of like, because Fox is pushing this whole thing. Because sort of Fox is taking the hit because they're like, hey, we got to, you know, we want to push all these things together. So it's, yeah, this, this comes from the top down. Like, it's not like uh, someone in within the network sort of like, hey, let's do boxing. No, the head dude at Fox is like, he's the one, he was the one who came out and announced boxing. So this is like everyone's on board within the company, you know, with these, these like Fox Sports is what we're pushing. And we're going to have like no barriers in between our, you know, sports essentially is what they've done. So that's why you get all these guys like wrestlers and you know, boxers all over these NFL programs and everything. So it's everyone's on board. But again, like I said, this is what you get because they have no negative reaction to start. They have no comparisons yet. You know, like once it starts to get a few years in, well, they, that's <laughs> when they start to get a bit more hesitant about taking some risks like this. Right now, it's like they got they got nothing to lose. You know, as long as they don't get crazy. You know. Like like I said, this is a pretty probably their priciest one, but they're still going to get. They're going to say, "Hey, well, we can justify because we got information about how we could sell this, how we could sell these fights during football season. You know, how do we sell just demographics and everything? It's all information for them. You know, it's when all the numbers and the number crunchers get their hands on it, things start to fuck up. Yeah, I'm gonna change the subject a little bit here. Yeah, but I got a great tweet from Stephen Espinoza. I think you're gonna enjoy. He said. um, I don't care what the pound for pound voters say. I'm taking Deontay over Inouye. <laughs> Your thoughts? <laughs> oh, of course. Let's 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 put them in the ring together. <laughs> um, Dan Raphael tweeted out: Ben Davison, Tyson Fury's trainer, is here. He says Wilder is the best puncher in boxing history, bar none. You agree with that? That's always tough to say because you know it's always a uh, recency bias. But I'd say uh, personally, for me, yeah. Like I've I've never seen a guy who can just pop someone like this, you I've, know, on such on such a consistent basis. I've know? never seen anything like this. Yeah, because I'm like, younger than you, I I have not watched yeah. many fights of the great so-called heavyweights blah 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 but like i've never seen a guy like wilder who legitimately can end fights at any point yeah and he's doing it now against the top guys maybe dillian white <laughs> yeah well dillian yeah because he can just test positive dillian. you know yeah exactly dillian and then fights are over gets a boost he took his boosters uh like i said who was at the hawk you know everyone had the the big youtube clips and everything of him so he looked great Aaron Pryor. Then, yeah yeah but Aaron uh, no, Pryor, Aaron Pryor. Who? no, oh, okay. no, I was no, 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 the middleweight no. guy, uh, Mike McCollum. No, no, the guy Mike McCollum, Julian Mike McCollum Jackson? beat his ass. Yeah, Julian Jackson. Was I was just rattling off names. <laughs> yeah, Julian Jackson. So he was like the big YouTube star and everything. But then when he got in the ring with guys like Mike McCollum, uh, the power wasn't there as much. You know, he, he hit those guys solid, and, and they didn't drop. So that's the thing that's really impressive about uh, Deontay Wilder is that he's taking these big guys and when he gets his clean shot in, they're dropping, you know, and he's, he's ended all, but you know what, <laughs> two, two, three guys. How many is it now? Just the two. Um, one. Tyson no, Fury. someone else, someone else went the distance with him. He's only, only one guy's went the distance with him. Stavern? No, 
There was two, wasn't there? Wasn't there another well, guy? Stavern and Fury, but do we really count Stavern? No, no, not Stavern. Stavern, he stopped Stavern, didn't he? He did, the second time around. He stopped him the first time, too. No, he did not. Yeah, well, I'm sure he did. Because <laughs> it didn't... We're just going to rewrite history right here. Deontay Wilder knocked out Bermain Stavern two times. Well, he did my heart. <laughs> it was a unanimous decision the first time they fought. Really? Okay. Okay, well, I, go. I got to rant on something. Like, this would be something that I would do on the Patreon daily podcast where I would just go hard on, on a subject for 12 minutes. But yeah. I, I keep seeing these tweets about the hype, possi- like, the hype that can be created and the marketing push that can be created between the joint venture uh, promotion between ESPN and Fox. Do you know how stupid that is? If you're somebody who believes that, and I really want you to be right, I really do, but I gotta tell you right now, that's an idiotic statement. It really is. What on earth, what on earth has you think that ESPN is gonna come out and and match the promotion that Fox has been doing? What has led you to believe, what's led you to believe that? The terrific job that they've done with Terrence Crawford. Have you realized that Terrence Crawford fights in three weeks? Do you even know that he's fighting? No, because I haven't seen a single shred of promotion from ESPN. I have not seen uh, outside of that fight being announced and Terrence Crawford um, looking like Mr. Rogers on (laughs) Monday Night Football with the charisma he showed. Outside of that... I don't know how you know that Terrence Crawford is fighting. ESPN has done a terrible job promoting boxing. ESPN has relegated boxing for the most part to ESPN+. Plus. They've done zero to really have boxing go out. And how do I know this? Because I could just be hating right now. I really could, but I'm not. Because if you look at the numbers, the numbers support this. The numbers have dropped year over year for ESPN. So what's that tell you? They sure ain't doing a good job promoting their boxing. Now, that has nothing to do with the boxers. I'm not trying to make make a dig at the boxers because the boxers are doing what they do and top ranks doing what they do. But ESPN itself is not holding up their end of the bargain to the extent that Fox is with with the PBC fights. And how do I know this? Well, let's just compare pay-per-view numbers, shall we? We had Terrence Crawford versus Amir Khan. We had Errol Spence versus Mikey Garcia. These two pay-per-views took place... Around the same time frame, similarly, both on paper were mismatches, and after the fact, were mismatches. Tell me which one more than doubled the buys from the other. Your answer? What are you sticking this on me? I I'm not pushing for ESPN. I'm just trying to involve you in this. Yeah, you're just trying to you're trying to weaken my takes. Man. No, I, I'm just saying Spence, Spence Garcia, and and look, this I'm not trying to disparage these fighters, okay? But I'm just talking about the promotional vehicle that we have seen ESPN um, roll out for P, uh, top ranks fights, and it is non-existent. So if you're somebody excited about the potential. Um, between ESPN and Fox working together and promoting, I'm sorry, but one side so far we know has proven that they're willing to go the extra mile to promote, to actually promote a pay-per-view, and the other one is over here promoting everything but boxing. You well, got no, ESPN. I, yeah. ESPN gives yeah. more coverage to LeBron James's son's <laughs> high school basketball games than it does to Terrence Crawford's next fight. Terrence Crawford, who's arguably one of the 
best fighters in the world. Yeah, and he beats dudes' asses too. You know, so it was easy. He's easy. He was an approach. No, I, I agree with you. Like, I think ESPN's did a terrible job. I, I've never been that big of an ESPN fan. I know they're like the sports leader and everything, but I mean, I love yeah. ESPN. Yeah, I know, but consume I consume their programming every day. Them. Yeah, I'm you know I'm Canadian, so I don't get ESPN. You got TSN, which is like worse ESPN. <laughs> yeah. I said it. If you're Canadian, at me. Fucking hating. God, such a hater. I've been to Canada, watch TSN. It no, it's, it's like. It's essentially like uh, the way that Fox sort of uh, sort of hitchhiked on all the Showtime's work. Uh, ESPN is trying to do that now, but with their own programming, you know. ESPN's like, well, oh, yeah, Terrence Crawford has to fight, or you know, Errol Spence has to fight Terrence Crawford. It's like, why? You, how would then he leaves ESPN then? You know, <laughs> they don't have to be involved making that fight. But ESPN isn't saying that. Yeah, but they well, see this nothing. Fury fight. This Fury fight, they, they interjected themselves with Top Rank in there because I think Fury is signed somehow to ESPN or something. I, I, I believe I, that to be the case as well. Yeah, they they got a foot in the door, so that's why they're involved with this thing. Yeah, but it's, it's not like it's just going to be some massive monumental marketing push because ESPN sucks. They're terrible at this. No, it's it's just not their thing. No, they're completely forward to them. Yeah. They they have so much content. Okay? <laughs> they have so properties <laughs> that they're paying billions of dollars oh, yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Boxing is way low on the totem pole. Their you know, like, their NFL package is is like they they're paying the most out of all the networks that show the NFL. ESPN on a per game level pays more than all the other networks and has the worst games. Yeah, they got Monday night. Yeah, but there's no competition on Monday night. That's why they liked it. You know, oh, it's yeah. just them. And and it until the NFL allowed them to Thursday charge eight dollars, an eight dollar carriage fee because they had the NFL on cable. Hey, it was good. It was it was good days, man. You know, they're still making a ton of money. They still make most of their money on those carriage fees. You know, streaming ain't doing nothing but losing them money. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't see this big, huge push because yeah, it's just they're just that's just not them. Like tennis, actually, they pay more for tennis coverage than they do for their boxing. And do you ever see them push any tennis really? Unless it's Serena, you know, it's like they're not the home of tennis. Yet they're paying, you know, like I don't know, hundred twenty million, I think, a year for tennis or something like that. Hey, it's like, yeah, they, they got so many sports that they pay. But I'm saying you you wouldn't know higher that ratings on ESPN. than boxing on <laughs> on ESPN. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, but ESPN barely talks about tennis. You know, it's, you know they're dominated by the, the by the major sports. So yeah, and uh, yeah, F- Fox has found a way to make boxing a part of their major sports. You know, like I said, that's why with the big NFL push and everything, you know. And yeah, they've done a good job, you know. Those guys like it around because, uh, you know, everyone thinks they can box, so it's an easy thing to get into. You know, everyone thinks they can beat some dude's ass. So, yeah, oh. everyone. Yeah, thinks. like I said, I, I can't add any fire to that because you, you pretty much got it. You no, know? I mean, this, look, this will be a big thing, but this could also it, it won't be as bad as Bob Arum not allowing Manny Pacquiao to do commercials with Floyd or anything, but it might be on that level, you know. I know one thing is that this gate did more than nine hundred ninety-nine thousand uh, dollars. What are you Just referring to? Peak. Well, that was that was that was Fury's peak in Vegas, you know. So, I mean, we could get into the ticket sale thing, but I really don't 
don't think we should. It's like, look, you have these experts That's a Twitter coming... exclusive for me goofing on people. Yeah, it's just, it's just like my you Twitter have these experts opinion. coming out the woodwork about like the ticket sales and stuff. Like, relax, okay? You the the the, the whole thing in a microcosm just summed up beautifully is on the day of the fight where we are monitoring the ticket sales and we know that on StubHub and on Access, they're disappearing. We're monitoring yeah. that. Now, we sold. don't tweet it. <laughs> we're not saying anything like that. We don't need to do that. But we're, well, we're checking. Unless you did. Did you, did you no. tweet? Uh, yeah, I, I said something about that there's less than 500 because Boone oh, was like, okay. so, I was making fun of that Jim Boone guy. Well, yeah, because he's, he's a moron because it's funny how on, on the night of the fight when it looks like, you know, oh, people have gotten into town and are buying tickets. This guy's like, oh, wow, the tickets are moving all of a sudden. Well, and, I, I, yeah, and, I could pretty much guess what happened. the British people. That, oh, yeah, they said, yeah, the British people came in. Yeah, yeah, and that was the British. Uh, odds are that there were other brokers that wanted to get rid of their inventory, so they sold it to him for, like, really, really cheap prices. So, like, yeah, once he was able to start making money, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, things are looking good. Yeah, because before, the ticket prices were too high for scalpers to move. You know, that's why he was fucking losing his mind because there's there no place for him to juice people. That, well, that's exactly what he is. He's trying, to make, he's trying to make a profit. Yeah, and he, they couldn't. They couldn't beat the normal prices out there. So one, then once, the, once the supply started to dry up and other the scalpers who got in earlier trying to dump their inventory, then he's like, oh, yeah, he'll buy them off those guys for like 400 bucks and he'll sell them, you know, 800 or 600 you know, whatever. He's making money. So can I give some irresponsible um, anecdotal Evidence as to why the fight is doing good or bad. Yeah, let's I mean, hear it. writers on Twitter want to do stuff like this, so I, I I feel like I should be able to do this too. So I got a friend who goes to the theater for almost all the pay per view fights. Yeah, and he usually will give me an idea of like, well, what the crowd is like, blah blah blah. And um, so early, he's like, uh, yeah, there it's basically empty. He told me this morning, I checked the ticket sales. There's only like four tickets that have been bought in the theater. So he checks again later in the day. He's like, eh, there's a couple more, but not much. Guests of the theater, couple people here, not much. By the time the main event co- comes, he messaged me. He's like, I have not seen this, this uh, the theater this full. Like this is clearly past the Spence fights, uh, uh, the, the last Wilder fight, like all the fights that he's seen in pay-per-view, he says it surpassed him. So can I use that to say that they basically have broke theater records for a fight? <laughs> yeah, you should do that. Yeah, say that. Say, say uh, I can't reveal my sources, but, you know, people in the business say. I, I, but I could legitimately say that. Oh, also, shout out to the person on Twitter who uh, tweeted out from the Cancio fight in Indio, California, that the Wilder attendance was going to be like 8,000. Yeah, seven to 8,000. <laughs> they they, they like, said it what? might only be 7,000. Okay, you're not so even at the fight. Relax. Thing. Yeah, because they were saying, okay, there, there's two sections that were curtained off. Okay, not they didn't open up the whole thing. You have the ends of the, the 200 sections, you know. I think it's like uh, there's, there's four on one side uh, with the new structure, and then there's like, I think, five on the other. But if, if you take all those tickets for the price you'd sell them for, it's only uh, about $40,000 a section you're going to get. 
you know, because you're selling for about 204, those tickets were maybe some would even go one or four. So they're not losing out any money, you know. That's a, they sold it, especially the way they did. They kept their prices so they could keep people like, oh, it's too high, it's too high, it's too high. They kept their prices despite all these guys like, oh, my God, I had one guy who's even there. He got free tickets. Like, yeah, there's, and I could say there's going to be at least 1,480 comps. I know there'll be more than that because they gave a bunch to veteran tickets which is something you can do. You give them for anyone who's been in the military service and get free uh, tickets to events and everything. And the people who donate them do tax right the UK too. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Yeah. People do this all over the place. You know, you, you can get them, but like here you gotta be a veteran. Well, they 1,480 tickets were taken, you know, so who cares if they're comps because the, 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 the MGM still getting that traffic. They're still getting those people in, you know, they're still getting that well, that's, action. That's the, the funny thing. People, uh, I see on Twitter, and when I say people, I know exactly who I'm talking about, but I'm going to say people. I'm not trying to yeah. generalize here, but I am trying to generalize. Uh, people will say like, oh, the casinos are upset about this, and the casinos are are pissed about the ticket sales. But it's like, what do you mean? Even if 5,000 people showed up, and like that, like in, in a boxing so sense, for that would not be good. So, but if 5,000 people show up, that's 5,000 people that's trafficking through the casino that are about to drop money on the tables and spend money uh, buying food and that ridiculously marked up Vegas prices for food and drinks. You think the casino really cares about that? Yeah. No, No, they're happy. That's why they, that's why they have fights. They, they want to trap you here in the casino. You watch the fight. You're all hyped up. Then you go gamble. You drop 2,000 at the table. Uh, if you're if if you're small time, but they want the people who bought the floor seat, so you drop twelve grand uh, yeah. in one hand. Yeah, yeah, they get those people coming in. That's who they want. Yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a really crazy thing. Like I I I was I was just so taken aback by how much hate there was for this fight that it was supposedly falling apart and no one was buying tickets. And you know, I'm looking online, and I go. What? What are they talking about? <laughs> like uh, Friday, there was uh, 930 tickets, and then by Saturday, they were down to 300. You know, so even at the end, it's like there's not that many tickets. So who gives a fuck if they closed a bunch of sections up top? You know, big deal. Like I said, you're not going to make that much money off those sections anyway. Well, everyone you know, does like, that this too. This this could be like it's not a fucking dis- you want to see a disaster that that Canelo fight was a fucking disaster and he he got eight million dollar gate that was Canelo yeah that was so weird oh the MGM or the, the yeah the casino was so pissed off uh, how pissed off do you think they were when Oscar fucked up that whole uh, planned September date <laughs> you know that's well, yeah. that's a big date for them to fuck up well, and then Tyson Fury comes in and you know they get like what seven thousand total people there. You know, he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, MGM's kind of happy with this Ortiz you know, while they're show- us showing, you know. Well, when you say they messed it up, you don't mean pretty- like they made no money, nobody was there. It's that when you have a Canelo fight, you expect that your gate's going to be 10 million plus. You expect to sell fourteen to 16,000 tickets. Like, this is Canelo, the biggest draw in boxing. And they basically how turned exci- it into yeah, a, but how- a... Go on. Oh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but how excited do you think people will be after sitting for like fucking two hours waiting for that fucking uh, UFC card to end. Well, then, <laughs> you know? then there's that. I wasn't, I wasn't even going to get to that. Like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, sure, Canelo saved it with that fucking knockout. So people are kind of, oh, that's a mood party. Oh, the fuck casino wants people like all running off a they, no knockout and fucking hitting the casino floor. Get them in, get them out. Shit. But now it's like people yeah. are like, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Yeah, exactly. And it's the casino's like, wait a second. Yeah. No, but people... <laughs> Here's the thing. People don't think through what they're saying. 
Like they, they, there's yeah. just not the next level of logic. Like people think they got it all figured out, but you have to look from the perspective of, so like if the casino is the one fronting the money, you got to look from their perspective. What interest do they have in fronting the money uh, in terms of a site fee uh, for um, a fight? Why do they want to hold the, hold the fight? Technically, if the MGM Grand Garden Arena isn't that big, I mean, it's, it's, it's a decent size for boxing um, yeah. of any level, but like, what about the UK? They do fights in stadiums. Like, oh, you could do it there. But no, it's like there's a reason why the, the casinos have a vested interest. And it's because they see that you could make a profit off of, uh, of having boxing events. And that's why you see casinos participating, at least not recently, um, thanks to Bob Arum. But up until very recently, casinos were like always staging fights. And, and it, it depends. Like, that's the thing that's what's so funny because no one even knows if they paid a site fee for this fight. That's so the what thing. the fuck? Oh, they're gonna lose millions. What the fuck? You don't even know if they paid a site fee. Like, like, please. It's, you know? it's possible. And, uh, that's what I was, I was goofing on Twitter. So if you want to see the whole rundown, because that's the thing too with MGM, they they've been cause like the whole resorts international. They've been running. They they have this new plan to cut down headcount for everything. So they've been dumping executives left, right, and center. So even guys say, "Well, we have people in the know." Yeah, really. Give me their fucking names, because odds are they don't work at MGM anymore. You know, because they've, they've dumped a shitload of executives, you know, all middle manager types and even the top guys, you know, the shuffling around. They're not at the same casinos anymore. They just moved everyone around, you know, because they're cutting costs. So, like, yeah, just, it, it's just so stupid, you know, it's just like fucking. But, you know, of course, from the most of the people, were, they all have somehow worked for uh, either top rank or ESPN or fucking DAZN or Golden Boy. You know, so it's like, yeah, they they got a real unbiased take there. Fucking, they, the Golden Boy didn't even sell it to fucking the Fantasy <laughs> Springs Casino for the Cancio fight. You know, the tickets were only fifty five bucks there. Where where was Oscar? Where were people giving him shit for not fucking selling those tickets? Well, because he wasn't even there. So even if you wanted to, he, you know, <laughs> yeah, odds are he wasn't there. I, I didn't watch. I haven't watched that. the fight yet, so I don't know if he was there or not. I, but there's a good chance I, he wasn't. I just like we could say that, and we probably got about a ninety five percent chance of being right. He, he knowing Oscar, he was at the Wilder fight. <laughs> Seriously, knowing Oscar, he was at the Wilder fight. Like. Oh, no. He was at Spence Porter, and I'm pretty sure like they had their own fight that day, didn't they? <laughs> That's true. Uh, I don't know. See, Fantasy Springs is pretty close to Pasadena. That's where Oscar uh, has isn't it? It's about an hour and twenty minutes, probably. Ooh, oh, maybe you just went the knockouts instead. Then, if if there's <laughs> traffic, it's longer. He probably went to thirty five er. Yeah, the thirty five er. That's in Pasadena. Yeah, that's that's closer. I'm gonna go there tomorrow. Just <laughs> check the bathrooms, see if there's any uh, remnants of Oscar Residue. De La <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, we're never getting that zone check now. Uh, that's okay. No, they, they might. They might. They they might. Um, yeah. let, I but mean, see, if they're if they're paying Chris Mannix, like we should get paid too. Yeah, we're gonna go. If they're paying a lot of those guys. Well, technically, if if they're gonna pay everyone else, you know, we should get paid too. Like, if Dan Rayfield's <laughs> gonna get a hotel room, like we could at least get, I don't know, um, a, a show. Like, That's what's disappointing because we could chill so much better, you know, and not be so obviously retarded about it. I think so. They're, I mean, they're really we missing out. Here. It wouldn't even be shilling for us. It's like we we uh, we we'd, we'd find an angle. We promote. I have yep. shown over the course of this podcast that I may not be good at 
many things, but one thing I'm pretty good at is promotion. Not for myself. Yeah. Like I, I, I think I do a pretty terrible job promoting the podcast and stuff. And yeah, I, yeah, I would we're, agree with that. We're, we're horrible at everything for self promotion, but, but we're pretty good at putting other people over. But get me talking about a bad fight that sh- that has no business being spoken about for more than five minutes. I, 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 I you know, I, I'm good. Like I just put myself in the mindset of Eddie Hearn, put myself in the mindset of Bob Arum. Just think to myself, what would these guys say? And then it just comes to me. You know, I, so I'm you're sure, saying anyway should have signed with you. Um, I have just as good of a chance of getting in a way over as top rank does. And I'm, and like, look, full discretion. I love in a way. I think he is a great fighter, but like, it is a hard sell on a guy who can't speak English and weighs 118 pounds and who looks like <laughs> that is his limit. It's a hard sell. And got his ass beat by one of the least talented weights or whatever he was of all time. I mean, <laughs> all Deont- Lodito ever had is a left hook. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about the commentary. So right. you and I are in agreement about the commentary on the pay-per-view. And that position is that we enjoyed Brian Kenny on commentary and the commentary in general for about the first two fights. And then during the Santa Cruz fight, as Santa Cruz lulled everyone to sleep, in what was a typical Santa Cruz performance where he won, but like, did you really watch close enough to know if he won or not? Who knows? Um, but then Brian Kenny just went off the rails and just went full idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was good on the undercard, you know, he's getting his groove on and then, yeah, is on it. He just, I think he just, he wants to be one of the boys, I think, you know, and then Lennox Lewis and Joe Goosen have that really laid back style where they, they'll sort of go off, on talking points a bit, you know, and then yeah, Kenny was like, yeah, he almost had me sold at the start, and then he's just like, oh, what the hell are you doing? He's like, he's trying to force ideas too much. He's talking about things that have no connection to the fight. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like typical. He goes, yeah, there's Kenny. Yeah, it's... I mean, I felt like Brian Kenny. So like the PBC, um, how do I put this? Like the PBC mindset or philosophy has been to put the fighters first. It's always the fighters first with these guys. And, um, and you see that we're like, we don't, there's no promoter talking, you know, you watch a matchroom card. You, you, you watch Callum Smith look like an absolute domestic fighter earlier today. And you get an interview and you got the guy saying to, uh, I believe it was Eddie. Hold on, Eddie. I'll get to you first. I'll get to you next. Let me just ask uh, Rocky Fielding some questions because it's like, oh, you got to get Eddie Hearn in here talking. And <laughs> you can you can argue the effectiveness of that. I'm not trying to argue one way or the other, but it's one way to, to view things. And with what we've seen with the PBC is like they don't want any promoters involved. And I saw that tweet you just linked me. It's terrible. That person should <laughs> that person should just not tweet anymore, or just they should just go watch tennis or something. Um, but what what why I like Fox's commentary is that um, I, I think Joe Goosen has no idea how to use a uh, how, how to use a microphone, which annoys me. But for the most part, when he's not talking about a fighter he trained, he's pretty good on commentary. Lennox is all right. I can, you know, I don't care for Lennox. Like he's good. He's bad. You know, I have no opinion on him. I and like then, Lennox. Yeah. 
that leaves a play-by-play guy, typically Chris Myers or Kenny Albert. These guys come from other sports. They they were both calling calling football today, which is why they weren't on the call. And what I like about these guys, um, more so uh, for Kenny Albert, is that these guys aren't trying to be experts. They're not trying to get their 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 points across. They're not trying to 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 be a part of the broadcast in terms of you walk away thinking, oh well, Kenny Albert said this was a really poignant comment. No, Kenny Albert's there to call the action, let the other guys do most of the talking, enhance the product, go over the notes, and then get out of there. And that's what a play-by-play guy is supposed to do. Yeah, you know, Vin Scully was a master, did commentary all by himself. Vince Scully, in the course of his, I don't know, 90-year career, never <laughs> once made a case for, like, why, you know, teams should do X or Y or Z. He was just there calling the action, putting the players over, putting the game over, and that was it. And that led to, like, just, like, universal revere for him as a broadcaster. What you had tonight was Brian Kenny trying to do this podcast, trying to get his takes across, trying to talk about the boxing scene at large, when typically how we've seen these broadcasts go is we just talk about the guys in the ring. We may talk about what could be next, what looms for them, but we're not trying to talk about Gervonta Davis not fighting anybody. Yeah, Yeah. Like, who cares? This is Leo Santa Cruz. He's not even fighting in the same division as Gervonta Davis. And very likely, the fight that's going to happen next is Gary Russell Jr. So what's the yeah. point of even bringing that up? Now, I get you could. like There's a way to bring it up, but focus more on the fight. Don't make this into a discussion because when you start to have a discussion and the discussion is you know not about the action and you start to pay attention to that, you lose focus from the fight. And that takes away from the fighters. And then you start to not pay attention to the fight because you're more caught up in the conversation that's happening. And then also just if you're ringside calling the action and you're narrating what's happening. So the viewer, you sitting at home, you visually see what's happening. You like through audio, you hear what's happening and it creates the environment of the fight. And when you got guys sitting ringside talking about the fight that you're listening to, and they're actually not talking about the fight, but they're talking about other things, well, that takes away from your enjoyment because now you are not watching a product. Like, do you get, like, it just kind of messes it up. Like, if, I guess the other way to look at it is, like, when you're watching a fight and then the crowd looks the other way, clearly something's happening. Like, your attention goes, like, oh, what's going on? And so now you're not even caring about what's happening in the ring because you're worried about who's fighting in, in the audience that's triggered one of the writers um, because the crowds make them uncomfortable. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And like I said, I, I, I like Fox's setup. I like it when they just sit there and bullshit about stuff, you know, because then it's all tangentially related to the action in the ring. But yeah, they don't get too involved. That, that's for their other segments. Like, okay, who are you going to fight next? Who do you want next? And everything. It's not so much for the dudes making the call. They don't really care. Like even most of the time, Joe Goosen and, uh, Lance Lewis, they never care about that. I like them both in there. I like them. I like Ray Mancini. I like all those guys because it's more relaxed. I don't know. It just suits my attitude. But definitely, I don't like when they start playing because uh, ESPN did that when they had Tyson Fury ringside. You know, was it who was Salito's fight? Salito's fight. Salito ain't fought in years. Uh, who was uh, the Navarrete fight? You mean? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Fuck God, no! I'm getting Alzheimer's here as we speak. <laughs> Uh, no, it was some guy, one of those old busted old dudes. They're all tattooed now, so I can't remember. This is a few fights ago. Yeah, Colazzo, that was it. Colazzo, yeah. I don't know. 
you know, those people look the same to me. Uh, yeah, Colazzo, which is probably it's probably going to be his last fight, and they're sitting there fucking bullshitting about Tyson Fury. <laughs> like, why? It's like, come on, give, give the guy some respect, you know. I, I could understand if it was like just a complete terrible fight where there's really like you just can't talk about the action because it is boring and everybody knows it and it's the elephant in the room. Then yeah. I can ju- I can see the justification to have a, a discussion and to use the platform. But for the most part, you should use the platform to put over the fight. Like people yeah. watch the fights to be entertained, not to watch a debate show. Yeah. And, and Brian Kenny does two things to me that irritate me. He's a contrarian. He tries to take other the other position, and and that's good in in the discussion realm where you're you have you know that's ESPN has built numerous successful original programs on debate and people being contrarians but not on a live broadcast. There's no room for that. He does yeah. that, and it's super distracting. You yeah. know, I, I so I, I was sitting there early in the fight in the night, and I'm like, wow, this is enjoyable. It's possible that Chris Mannix is the guy who makes the days in broadcast so, like, just unlistenable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I know Sergio Mora is good on commentary. He's proven Yeah, Sergio himself. Mora is great. We love Sergio Mora. And then Brian Kenny, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, maybe he is pretty good. But then he's, you see he's lost it. Yeah. <laughs> what happened in the Santa Cruz fight? It's like, oh, it's yeah. not Mannix. It's actually Mannix and Kenny who make that broadcast yeah. terrible. Yeah, okay, yeah, because he had the fight before where they're just calling the action between Figueroa and Zaya all the time, you know, and everyone you're into that fight because they're just sitting there beating the piss out of each other. And then the Santa Cruz fight, you're sort of like, you find yourself drifting. You're like, why? It's like, oh, it's because it's fucking Brian Kenny's leading me down some dumbass road. <laughs> it's like, now I forgot what I'm doing. There was a part where uh, um, I'm pretty sure, well, Rollins pointed this out to me, that uh, Brian Kenny must have got yelled at by the producers because he had called Leo Santa Cruz a titleist. And oh, then, yeah. And then, and then he corrected himself. He's like, oh, correction, actually, you know, uh, I it's I should say he was a champion, and it's like, yeah. dude, you you better call Leo Santa Cruz a, a world champion, especially after Joe Goosen like put him over big, and like yeah. I agree with what Joe Goosen was saying. Like I I hated Leo Santa Cruz up until the Frampton fight, uh, the second Frampton fight when he won. I never yeah, no, liked Santa never Cruz. I was always big on Santa Cruz, but like I didn't think I, he was like I just liked him. I just like you know. Well, when I saw him fight up close, like I could see like wow, Santa Cruz is, and like. Even today, I can see it, but I still don't really enjoy watching him fight. He makes he he's, makes he makes it look like he's doing nothing. But he's you know, and really that, that's good. why people get such a weird take on him. They're, oh, it's fucking Leo Santa Cruz. He, he's making very good technical. Uh, and Joe Goosen picked it up through the whole thing. He's like, this guy, you can't make him uncomfortable. He can do whatever he wants. You know, when you put him in spots. You know, like he, he's he's a very great fighter, but he does it with so much ease that, uh, like he's not going to get those knockouts unless a guy keeps coming at him. You know, but you know like he'll he'll throw combinations and he'll block punches, he'll catch and shoot and everything. Like he's doing that, but you don't really see it because it looks hurt cause, him cause, like cause, yeah, because because it's so repetitive that he sort of just lulls you into this you know false chance. It looks like uh, Leo's not doing anything, and, and people are like, oh, it doesn't look like Leo. He's still throwing seventy six punches around. <laughs> it's, 
Well, like he said, he was off tonight, you know, and everything. But Flores wasn't really Flores didn't want to mix it up with him, you know. No, Flores, you could tell, was uncomfortable with him. Like he yeah. did not actually want to fight the fight that Leo was trying to fight, and um, like. Mm-hmm. I'm, it takes take a really, it takes way. a really great boxer to do that to people, and that's what Leo is. Like he's not going to blow anyone away with his power, but he just, he makes it look so. Uh, it makes, yeah, he makes it look so effortlessly. You know, to, and, to and, me, he's like, and I don't, I don't know any other way to put this, but he's like slimy. Like, there's nothing <laughs> you can do to him. Like he's, he's like fluid. Yeah. Like he's going to stick to you no matter what. And yeah. like he's not dominating in the sense like he's not Spence in there. He's and he's not Wilder. He's not gonna just destroy you. But like, yeah. if you want to box, well, he's probably gonna outbox you. Yeah, he's and he's just gonna, always gonna do gonna it there. in a way that doesn't look like, like, <laughs> like he's the cleanest boxer. You want to bang with him? He's like you're not gonna throw more punches in him. Yeah, and he looks awkward, so you really can't you can't break him down or anything. Because he's always just, yeah, he's just, he's just, uh, he's just a great boxer. That, like, even I am, like, I'm not saying, oh, I'm, I'm. It's bizarre because I noticed that tonight. Is that you start to just sort of get bored, and you got you sort of got to kick yourself in the ass and see and pay attention to what he's doing because he, he just does, he just makes it look so easy, you know. That uh, he really doesn't, he doesn't get a lot of uh, uh, appreciation for his how how talented he is. I mean, in the first round, I noticed like he was changing the timing on his punches, and it's like that's not that's something that not a lot of fighters do. Most fighters no, are yeah. very effective yeah. fighting at one speed, but Santa Cruz will vary the timing of his punches. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's just yeah, he's really, and that's why I like that's why I like Joe Goosen because Joe Goosen was picking that all up, you know. And that's where you can tell who's been a trainer for you know several decades, you know, or he's where he's talking about, and, and I think even he made that reference too. He said he didn't really appreciate uh, Santa Cruz until he yeah, saw he him live. Yeah. yeah. And I, I had the same experience. Like, I, And I think for those of you out there who maybe like you feel that way about Leo Santa Cruz or you don't like him, go watch one of his fights live. Try to get get a, get a ticket to see, his, to see him live. See if you can sit up close because uh, that's what did it for me. You know, I'm sitting ringside watching, yeah. watching a fight. And I'm like, wow, this guy's like he's not getting hit. Like on TV, it looks like he's getting hit a lot, but not, not, none of – None of these shots are connecting clean. Like it, it he makes he like things that look rough when you're watching on TV because it's happening real fast. When you're there live, like it's like wow, Santa Cruz is actually way better. Like I I, I, I give him my respect to him. I still don't really enjoy watching him fight that much. Yeah, no, no that's a tough thing. But, but like I'm not said. gonna I'm not gonna hate on him because you know yeah. I, you know I got to give him his credit. Yeah, uh, like hopefully they do uh, get in with uh, Gary Russell Jr. Because I think, you know, unless I don't know, it depends. It's an interesting fight because Gary looked hittable in his last fight. Yeah, but it depends how Russell Jr. will fight him. But it could be a good one. But again, like I said, yeah, the the Leo Santa Cruz is like, because he doesn't over-exaggerate in his defense. So like he slips, he sings just by very small, he's catching punches. But it looks like he's sort of getting roughed up on the inside. But it's just yeah, you you gotta really watch him close because they're just he's just slipping them just enough to take the effectiveness off these shots. You know, it's just, yeah, that's it's, a good way really, to put it. Yeah, he's just he, he's yeah, it's just like it's, it's you really gotta study the dude. To, he's to playing see that how game of inches where yeah, he is yeah. making you miss by just a couple misses. Where yeah, yeah, your punch might have landed, but that it it landed in a very ineffective way. Whereas yeah. like you're fighting somebody with lesser defense, like you know. 
Miguel Flores is fighting himself in there. He probably knocked himself. He would probably knock himself out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he's not going to be able to d- defend the way Santa Cruz does. Yeah. Um, you know, we could get into what's next for Wilder, but like we know what's next. We know, yeah, it's a Fury fight. You know, unless Fury decides he wants out, but I don't. I think they're going to do that fight anyway. So, Luis Ortiz got paid life-changing money. Do you think we see him fight again? I think so. Who? I think he'll he'll probably he'll probably they'll probably put him in against uh, an up and comer or something. He'll he'll get at least one more fight if he wants That's it. You know, brutal. They put him in there with the Jogba. My God, not not that much of an up and comer because he'd probably beat a Jogba. Real talk. Yeah, I I think he's yeah because like I said, that's the kind because this knockout, it's hard. To, it's not like a, a devastating ass beating knockout. Like you can even see, like the way like he sort of recovered is more like a, it's just a taking that thing on your forehead. It's just a shocking knockout, you know. It's more like you you can't react in time to recover, you know. It's, it's not like he was like uh, lights out or anything, you know. It's just like a what the fuck just happened. So so I don't think like if he wants if he wants another fight, he'll get another fight. I'm sure. Um. Because he's still, he's still he, very technically, technically, you know, he's still one of the best out there. Like he's very, very difficult to fight with. If Andy Ruiz beats Joshua again, I could see him coming back and fighting Ortiz. And like, you may think like, nah, I don't want to see that. But like when, when, after he fights Joshua, um, I think Ruiz deserves a, a, a light fight. But like they're not gonna just toss him in there with somebody who's like got no hope. It's gonna be against a guy where they're fairly confident that or uh or Ruiz would win. And I think Ortiz at that point would be um a, a pretty big underdog to Ruiz, especially if Ruiz is coming off of two straight wins over Anthony Joshua. I think this is a sellable fight that you put on Fox or or even um Showtime, I don't know. Yeah, because like, yeah, it all depends on the Wilder Fury. It's they're probably not going to have to sit on that. Uh, like, okay, Wilder if Wilder beats Fury, they're not going to have to really sit on that Ruiz fight. But they might, like, he might take a fight in between. So yeah, I don't know. It's depending. It depends on what kind of money's floating around. You know, depends on what they want to do. You know, Floyd's coming back. Maybe Floyd's going to fight Wilder. <laughs> I. I... I, I like your Inoue matchup better. <laughs> yeah, the Inoue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, Ortiz Brazil is interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, Prince Charles is coming back too. I, I mean, I do you think like Ortiz, Ortiz Konaki? Well, Konaki's going to fight for the title, the IBF title, most likely next. So probably not him. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. But I, I think Brazil's an interesting matchup for, for Ortiz. Charles Martin's int- interesting too, but Charles Martin's, Martin's the kind of guy that'll mess around and knock him out and get himself a wilder fight. He's <laughs> true. He's the prince. Yeah, I don't know. But definitely, like, yeah, it's like if he wants a fight, he's getting another fight, you know? Because this is it. It's not, it's, you know, it's not like his, his skills deteriorate. Like, he looked a lot better in this fight than he did in his he previous did. one. He did. He looked very fast early on in the fight. Yeah, it's just you know, you just you leave that small opening and you know it's all over. Yeah. So, so um, yeah. So we'll we'll wrap it up here. We'll probably have another podcast to you uh, for you guys tomorrow as well. But we just wanted to get that quick 
instant reaction to the fight. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we hope you enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed the the broadcast for the most part. I mean, I did wasn't a big fan of Brian Kenny's commentary, but altogether, I think. Um, God, he almost had me. Yeah, uh, it's it's a shame because I really I, I really want to like Brian Kenny. Like, yeah, he's not. Really he's, not like he's, he's not. He's not a bad guy. But Kenny's yeah. not a play-by-play guy. Like, just you look up the yeah. clip, that famous clip of Brian Kenny where he's arguing with Floyd. That guy can't call. That guy can't be play-by-play. Yeah, yeah. He's he's too he's too much of a hothead. Or look at his sabermetric arguments. You know, it's like yeah, he's he's too much of an attack dog when he wants his point to be made. Yeah, which is why they had him on the desk and not on commentary when he was working for Showtime. Yeah, but yeah. you know. You know. Anyway, thanks for listening. Um, we will be back very soon.